thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. If you've ever wanted to meet the person behind the person, to hear the story behind the story, or just want to learn what makes successful people tick, how they navigate through the tough times, and how you can apply what they do to help in your journey, then stick around and join Global Change CEO turned mentor, Stu Hayes, as he asks questions just like these to our amazing guests each week on Careers Unplugged. If you feel being happy, committed, and passionate about your career is important, you are absolutely in the right place. Welcome to Careers Unplugged. My name is Stu Hayes from Stuart Hayes Leadership. It's my great privilege to extend the episode we've had recently with Lee Broxham and Adrian Leyer from Melbourne Victory Football Club. The guys are back with me right now. We've got two more interviews with some great celebrities we're going to talk about. Guys, how's it going? Good, Stu. Hey, Stuart. A-League season's almost upon us. Uh, I know that you've been on the road, you've been playing games, you've got the uh, FA, FFA Cup underway, uh, a, a great deal of buoyancy around the club. Um, we certainly are wishing you all the best. Now today we're going to be talking or looking at uh, two other interviews that we had recently recorded at a Careers Unplugged live event at Melbourne Victory in the lunch that you organised for your teammates and also for... Uh, the sponsors and supporters who are very close to the club. Uh, and of course, today we're going to be talking about the interviews with Ian McLeod, who's the uh, managing director or former managing director of Coles and still with Wes Farmers, and also with Paul Ruse. Um, rather than uh, waffle on about that infinitum, why don't I press play and let the audience listen to the interviews? So our second two guests this afternoon are certainly both renowned as exceptional leaders in their respective fields. Ian McLeod is a retail guru, Harvard alumni, and now Group Commercial Director for Wes Farmers, having previously acted as Managing Director of the Coles Food, Liquor and Convenience chain, and prior to that with Asda in the UK. Outside his experience in retail, Ian spent two years as the CEO of Celtic, PLC, the listed company controlling the Celtic Football Club, and was a non-executive director for five years of the Fulham Football Club in the English Premier League. In Australia, Ian has been a board member of the St Kilda Football Club in the AFL and also of the Melbourne Victory Football Club. Welcome, Ian. And also, of course, Paul Ruse, another person who needs absolutely no introduction. He's currently the coach of the Melbourne Football Club, having previously coached the Sydney Swans in more than 200 games during which time, of course, he led the team to the 2005 AFL Premiership. In 2005 was also the year that Paul was inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame. Prior to stepping into the coaching box, Paul played 365 games with Fitzroy and then Sydney, was named All-Australian on seven occasions, and was genuinely regarded as the AFL's finest footballer. Gentlemen, we've been talking about career, we've been talking about career transition... Why don't we start off with Ian, away from sport. So, Ian, your career has been within retail for some time. Um, how did you make decisions early on that have helped you to where you are now? Well, when I was going to start my career, I just um, I kind of broke it down into sort of two or three-year periods. I was always looking to kind of go in, do a job, uh, do it well, and then look to move on and progress. So uh, that's basically what happened. Every two or three years, I kind of got another opportunity to kind of uh, progress and take on wider areas of responsibility and I kind of thrived on it and 
also look to try and have variety in my career as well and do different things and challenge myself to go into areas that I hadn't really uh, been involved in before. That's what took me into the Celtic job because I'd been in I'd been in retail for about twenty years and uh, I had the opportunity to kind of uh, take on the role of CEO of Celtic and um, there was opportunities don't come around very often and uh, I'd never been involved in in football before although I'd loved the sport from being a, a young kid um, but it was just something that was completely different I just wanted to try my hand and see if I could uh, succeed at it. Thank you. And what about the, the things that you needed to do, I guess, um, or what, at what point in your career did you sort of raise the eyes to the horizon and start to see that there was a potential career as a chief executive? Well, that was, I mean, the Celtic job was my first opportunity as a CEO. Before that, I'd, I'd worked in Germany for uh, a year, 18 months as a, a chief operating officer. Uh, so that had a broader level of responsibility and opportunity to operate in a, a different country as well with a different language and different culture. So that was uh, that was pretty interesting and uh, experience for me. And then once you get to become a chief executive and you're kind of run, running an organisation, uh, you become involved in all aspects of it. And uh, at the end of the day, the buck stops for you in terms of how that company continues to grow and develop. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Paul, um, successful football career. Um, at what point did you start thinking, gee, maybe coaching is the next step? And what did you do about that? Um, well, I finished playing football in 1998, and at that stage I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I think one of the, the key things that I did was actually write down things I liked about my coaches and things I didn't like about my coaches. And I, I always felt that coaches, the longer they were out of playing, the less in common they had with players. And I think that was my frustration as a player towards the end of my career, that they didn't have empathy for what it was like to be a player. They simply became a, a coach or a manager or a leader. So at the end of 1998, I just happened to write down 25 things, I just happened to be 25, that I liked about my coaches and things I didn't like about my coaches. And it's the, still a document I have in my desk at Melbourne and one of the first things I pulled out when they asked me to, to, to coach. The actual decision to coach probably didn't happen until uh, Rodney Eade left on a Monday, uh, 2002, midway through the season. And then they actually asked me to, to be the senior coach for the next 10 weeks. So that happened really, really quickly. So it wasn't really until that point. I was an assistant coach of Sydney. It wasn't until that point that I decided that I'd take the job. And you know, it was a huge risk at the time to, to do it. Um, but it happened over about 24, 48 hours. And, and prior to that, so, you know, back, you're playing the game still. Um, what were you thinking was life after football going to be like in the first place? Well, I think firstly I was really, really fortunate that I went to Fitzroy and when I finished my career it was only that I realised then how lucky I was and probably the, the best thing that I did was I was a good learner and a good listener and I was just so fortunate to have great role models in uh, Bernie Quinlan, Gary Wilson, Mickey Conlon, Laurie Serafini. So all the guys in the room, you know, it's, it's what you're going to teach the young people coming into Melbourne Victory and it doesn't matter what business you're in as well. I mean, it's what are the habits that are in that team and I think the really key thing for me was I got great habits when I first arrived at Fitzroy and I was really smart that I learnt and I watched and I listened. And I remember David Parkin wrote a fantastic article and I've always tried to, and I spoke to him about it, he can't remember where he wrote it and I can't remember where I read it, but he said that the best year that he had was in 1986 at Fitzroy and we never won the premiership and he was a premiership coach. And what he did is he went on to tell how successful all those Fitzroy people had been 
because of what they learnt and what they taught each other. And Gary Pertz, the CEO now of, of Collingwood, uh, Mickey Conlon at the time was running Reebok in, in um, uh, Asia. And then you had um, still involved in footy, Scotty Clayton, Matty Rendell. And he actually went through I remember reading the article and it's the lessons that they learnt in sport and taught each other and the network that they created. And I'm still really good mates with a lot of those guys. So... I never really sort of panicked about what I was going to do. It was really just getting those skills and learning. And I was always had faith, I guess, that you know my career would take off in some shape or form because I was able to get good habits from the people that I learned from and, and I always had faith that that would take me in the right direction. Thank you. Ian, let's just explore um, that theme a little bit more. We, we heard about education a little bit earlier, about skill acquisition, things like that. But for me, I guess... Um, one of a cliche that I've always loved is that the journey of success is more a journey of who you need to be than what you need to do. Um, have you found that? Is it, is, it, is it been the skills you needed to add or did you need to become the biggest, best person you could be as well? I think a lot of that's down to the individual. I think that um, I guess I've always taken the approach and the advice I always give to people is that you know, there's a, it's great to have ambition, but you've also got to have success and you've also got to demonstrate that you can be successful in what you do and demonstrate that first and then things will come to you. And I think having that drive to do the best that you possibly can in what you're doing at the time is, is critically important in my view. And I've always done that. I think that if you're fortunate enough to have a, a, a job, then you want to try and make sure you do that to the best of your ability and and then you'll progress from there. And, and it's different for me than it is to the guys that are playing. I mean, that certainly will ring true with them. And I think that one of the things about being a professional footballer, I think, is a as a kid, you know, everyone wants to dream about being a uh, at least in England. You want to be a, you want to be a footballer or a pilot, I think. And I didn't become either. I was I definitely knew that I wasn't going to become a footballer because I was shy at it. Um, and. Uh, and, but I did try and become a pilot, but the, but the RAF wouldn't let me in. I, I had the failed, I passed the aptitude test, but I failed the interview, so uh, I didn't get to shoot in. But um, but that was that. And then um, but I think that after that, you kind of you know stacking baked beans doesn't sound like high five, and this is a great job for me for the rest of my life. But you just move on through what you're doing, and you drive hard, and you try and be as successful as you can, and. And, and build your career. I think for you guys, you're driven already, you're successful already, you're disciplined in what you do, um, but a football career is actually a very short period of time. You love it and enjoy it while you've got the opportunity, but thinking about what you're going to do next is really important. As one of the players um, uh, mentioned that um, involved with St Kilda, one of the guys that uh, play there, a guy called Jason Blake, had a very successful career with St Kilda, uh, but in his spare time he, he did a degree in engineering. Uh, he's now on the uh, property development team at Cole, so you know, I got him in there, and he's doing extremely well. So he's actually transitioned from um, from a, a sporting career directly into a business career. But it was the effort he put in while he was playing that enabled him just to switch the way that he did. Can, uh, can I just follow that theme? Uh, so a highly professional role in um, big corporate world. How much do you value the types of skills and experiences that um, professional athletes have had? Well, I've got enormous respect for, um, for any, any professional athlete um, because it requires real discipline. And I think you know, there are so many 
players that have got talent, and I've seen players that have got talent that frankly waste it because they haven't got they haven't got the the other aspects, which is actually not just about their innate talent. It's about their application and their attitude, and their ability and their, and their mental toughness. You know, if you because what you guys do is you get out there to play a sport and you're playing it in front of thousands of people, and everybody's watching you in terms of if you make a mistake, you know about it. If you make a mistake, they hear it straight from the crowd. If you make a mistake, you're going to a lot of mistakes. You're going to hear about it in the press the following day. You have to have the mental toughness to kind of get over that and recover from it, and then drive yourself on again to just put it behind you and do really well the following time you play. And you guys do it day after day, time after time. So that confidence uh, in your ability to do that is something that I think you can hold true and take with you through the rest of your, your life after you stop playing. Thank you. Uh, Paul, change of direction. Um, you talked about the 25 things you wrote down when you left um, being a, a, a player. And I recall reflecting on things like that as a child um, about what I was never going to do as a father one day. You won the Father of the Year, Australian Father of the Year Award. Do you remember the things as a child? Are they starting to have some resonance with you as a father? Oh, I think it's all sort of interconnected, the things in business, the things in sport, the things parents. Uh, you know, I was really fortunate to have a, a great childhood and parents, my mum was super competitive. My dad was a, a really gracious sportsman. I think I got, I really was lucky I got a combination of both. I was fortunate to be able to play tennis and basketball and uh, Australian rules football and the values that I learned from my parents um, unquestionably st- uh, stood me in good stead moving moving forward. There's no doubt about that. So everything crosses over. The amazing thing is I, I coached my boys playing footy, you know, growing up when they're 18 and 20 now, and my younger son, and I'd coach the Swans on a Saturday and I'd coach them on a Sunday, and I guarantee the number of times I told the same message to the Sunday under 12s as I'd spoken to the, you know, Adam Goods and Barry Hall about on the Saturday was incredible because, but I think we all know what the keys to success and the keys to life are, but we often need to get reminded about, you know, what they are. And there's, I think Ian touched on it, there's so many guys playing AFL football that don't want to be AFL footballers, which is amazing. And I'll guarantee there's blokes in this room for the victory that don't really want to be soccer players or footballers. That's just the way it is. And Kevin would know that, and I know that there's blokes at Melbourne that don't want to be, AFL players, but it's as strange as it sounds because you do think that every kid wants to be an AFL player or a footballer in, you know, a sports person, but it's just not true. And it gets back to that finding what you, you really want to do and what you're passionate about, and they're the guys that are successful. It's what you do when Kevin's not watching you. It's what the Melbourne players do when I'm not at training. That's what separates great players from, from average players. Thanks, Paul. We're, we're going to wind this interview up quickly, but... Um what advice would you give yourself if you could go back the Paul Roos of today and talk to the Paul Roos who was in the last half a season of his football career? Oh, well, ironically, I think I learnt more in my last season of footy than I did in the previous 16 because, you know, you, as footballers, as athletes, you're very individual. You know, you've got to get yourself right first and I thought I was a you know, pretty good player and I didn't play in a great team, so... That makes you even more insular because you're worried about yourself and I know we're going to lose on the weekend and but I need to be in the best players and in the last half of the year I, I spent going on and off the ground and wasn't as good as what I was. So I was able to look at the game through completely different eyes and, and I just wish every player had a chance to coach before they played and I think if, if we all coached before we played 
I don't think I would have won the individual awards that I did, but I guarantee I would have been a much better team player and the team I played for would have been much better as a consequence for that. Thank you. And Ian, is there a similar bit of advice you'd give about team and self, the Ian of 20 years ago? Probably what I'd say to myself is actually spend a bit more time with your kids. I think that if, you, if, you, if you're driving hard in a professional career, it's, it's pretty pressured. And um, you're always thinking about what's going to happen the next day or the next week. And uh, you, know, you, you make sacrifices. What you forget is your family makes sacrifices as well. And um, I remember my daughter, she's in her mid-twenties now, but it was her 18th birthday. And I said to her, um, oh, well, your birthday's on Saturday, I'll be there. And she says, you don't need to, Dad. And I said, why is that? He says, well, you missed my first, you missed my fifth, you missed my eighth, and you missed my thirteenth, so I've got very limited expectations on you. And that was pretty hard hitting, you know. And then my boss says to me the, the following week that uh, something had caught me up and we were having an away day and uh, I wasn't going to be able to make her birthday. But I said, I've got to go. And you can, you can fire me if you like, but I'm going, so... At least I made it up to that time. But that's the main thing I would say. If you've got kids, they grow up so fast. Spend as much time with them as you can. Thank you. Uh, and on behalf of Melbourne Victory Football Club and all of us here, thank you to both of you for, for your sharing and your honesty. Would you benefit from a business coach or mentor who's the real deal? Or from a training program customized to fix real problems or help you and your team hit actual KPIs and performance targets? Stuart Hayes stepped away from his career as a global change CEO and committed to mentoring, coaching, and training a new generation of leaders, as well as anyone seeking positive impact through their business or career. Visit StuartHayesLeadership.com now. Book a free one-hour strategy session with Stuart and learn how you can get the skills, training and knowledge normally limited to selected staff within tier one multinational organizations programs are available for every need and budget okay guys uh we've just listened to ian mcleod we've listened to paul ruse um two quite different guys um but two people who have had an amazing impact in leadership roles in their careers now, both of you are members of the leadership team at Melbourne Victory and have been leaders in the club for, uh, for quite some time. What's it like as a leader to sit back and listen to people that have had the leadership impact of the calibre of, uh, of Ian and Paul? Um, it was quite interesting, actually. Um, you know, they're, they're two different people with, with two different views on, um, you know, two different views but with similarities on leadership and you know, as um, you know, as leaders at the club, we um, you know, you can, all you can do, and as any players at the club, all you can do is sit there and really absorb what what these successful people are saying, as as all sorts of aspects um, can be applied to to our own lives. And you know, it was very interesting hearing um, hearing different different viewpoints from um, um, from the two different two different guys. I mean, such different careers as well. I mean, you know, Paul Ruse, obviously, uh, incredible career as a player, uh, and then followed his nose a little bit and uh, ended up uh, becoming a coach of a team and taking it to an AFL premiership. But when he finished, I sensed that he didn't really have a plan. Did you sort of get that opinion as well? Yeah, I felt that as well. And um, it was kind of strange because he, he almost admitted that he didn't have a plan, but then when he went back and said that 
for some reason or another, he listed all the things he liked about his coaches and, and what he didn't. Um, so I think deep down he knew that he'd, he'd end up in that field. And quite quite funny the way that he, he, he landed the job originally and was almost thrust into it um, without much thought and without much, um, I suppose, expectation. And, and, I, and, and where it's taken him since then has been phenomenal. So, um, you know, it seems like a... Very intriguing man and, and a deep thinker and, and like you said, a, a very good leader. One of the great things that I thought he talked about was this whole concept of actually writing down uh, a list of things, and it turned out to be 25 for him, um, that he liked and didn't like about the coaches that, had been in, that he'd been involved with over the years. Um, now, you've had some incredible coaches that both of you have, uh, have been in and around. Um, if you made a list like that, how do you think that might be valuable going forward? Yeah, definitely. He um, he seems like a bloke you'd like to sit down at the pub with and have a few beers with because he just seems very uh, very knowledgeable in that area. And it's something that seems um, seems quite simple, but I imagine it would be very effective. You know, if if you're a player and you 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 don't disagree, you disagree with the co- something your coaches had. You know I've had four or five different coaches at the club, and I could you could go through. Um, I could probably find twenty five things about not each of them, but as a collective that that I wouldn't like and and would like probably as well. You could do a list for both sides. Um, I mean, of course, Kev would would all be twenty five on the good side right now. As our current coach, yes, there'll be twenty five good things and no negatives. <laughs> <laughs> No, but, but I think um, you know. I think it's just something so simple, but it'll be something very effective. And having it written down and wrote down is something that you could you could remind yourself. You know, he said it was in his it's in his top drawer, and he can just pull it out at any second and go. Oh, you know, if I'm A B C, you know, I can fix it, fix it because he's just giving himself little reminders all the time. He talked about, or and so did Ian, uh, about leadership in different in different ways. And one of the things Ian talked about was uh, that he respected about professional sports people um, wasn't to do with the talent that they had or displayed but actually it was about that discipline and that toughness um, and and he made a, a, an interesting remark that you should draw from your successes and the fact that you've demonstrated to yourself discipline and toughness uh, and you should have confidence from that that um, continues right across your life um, do you do you sort of are you sort of aware of that now? Is it something that you you know already, or is it or do you have uncertainties about the future and about where you might go and uh, you know needing to start again? Yeah, I, I thought it was it was good to hear someone of his his level in the business world have that respect for for sportsmen and and me as a professional, I think every every single professional sportsman out there. Um, you know, I have a huge amount of respect for because I know you know what it takes to get there, um, the highs and lows you have to endure, and 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 also the dedication you have to have to to your sport and to to your body to to be successful. And um, you know, you only get to that professional level if you have all those. And 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 for for Ian to reiterate that and to I suppose endorse that to the to the, to the players that are in the room um, would give them a lot of confidence and. Like I said, it's a, you know, it's something, it's a value that that athletes do have, and that, that they can take into the business world or, or whatever area they want to go into. The, 
you know, that's that's in their locker. You, you know, you're going to get that from them. And and and, and like Ian said, they should take a hell hell of a lot of confidence from that. I mean, one of the things that I know from from my own career and uh, with the various leadership programs that I run um, is there are certain elements of personality and uh, and our styles that are beneficial um, when we want to be leaders, right? But but actually, uh, our experience and the confidence we gain from doing it and the skills we learn uh, are far more valuable. And in fact, that almost anyone can be a leader if they start to do those things. Now, you guys have been leaders in the club. Um, the chances are that you're going to be in a position where you can be leaders in various roles in the rest of your life, um, I would suggest. And that sort of seemed to me to be one of the things that both Ian and, and Paul were reflecting on as well. Um, going in a different direction, one of the things I also loved about uh, what Paul was talking about, and I'd be really keen to get your perspective on this, was um, how he talked about the 1986 team that he played with. And, the, and he, read, he recalled an article written by Bernie Quinlan, who was his coach at the time. And Bernie had mentioned that he felt the 86 team was the best one he ever coached. Now, the 86 team uh, were not successful in terms of winning um, a premiership. However, the reason that Quinlan felt they were successful was really because of what they learned from each other, what they taught each other and what they learned as individuals. Is that a perspective you have as a, as a sportsman? It's a good question, uh, Stu. I think, um, you know, you, you, you look around at, at change rooms and, you, you know, you, like you can tell from the vibe this year that you, we feel like we've got a, a very good group um, like we had the last few years and, and we have felt that we weren't that successful the last few years but you know you, you kind of feel that we we might be this year and you know with the I suppose with the addition of a few players you really feel that you know with the skill set that they have that um, there'll be a lot of people within the club now that can take their you know successful football career and whatever they decide to do that um, they have a good a good skill set to be successful in whatever they choose to do is the kind of vibe you get and, and you kind of feel like it, it's rubbing off on the younger players that, that they could go on and be successful in what they want to do as well. I mean, I've certainly seen that in, uh, in the best businesses that I've ever worked in, uh, whether it's been as a CEO or even just as a team member, um, where the morale was just so extraordinary and the belief was so extraordinary in not only where the business was heading but also um, within the team. Uh, you know the trust of your teammates, if you like, uh, the the focus uh, or the awareness that each person was getting better and better, and were doing moving towards a common goal that was important, um, was a huge, huge impact. And, for, and that's the sort of sense I get that you're talking about now, uh, looking ahead to the season with victory. Is that right? Yeah, you're pretty much spot on, and um, you know it's something that, that we talk about regularly, uh, trusting your teammate and. You know, sticking to Kevin's game plan, and um, you know the only re- the only way you're going to get that trust is if you you are where you're meant to be at that certain time, and you're doing the things um, you're meant to be, whether it's out on the pitch, whether it's in the gym, or whether it's away from the group. And um, I think until you have that trust, you, you're never going to be successful. And in the past, we've had that and and proven um, that's why we're successful. And I think with the you know, we trust our coaching staff. Um, the support we get behind the scenes at this football club is is second to none. And you know, I think right across the board, we're we're in a really good position. And, and um, you know, I suppose it all does come back to to that word trust, as you said. And and that's something that is is uh, mentioned in our dressing room a hell of a lot. 
Change of, uh, change of direction. We're going to run out of time in a few minutes. Um, I asked all of the uh, guests in the interviews what their golden nugget would be or what, their, what advice would they give themselves if they'd cranked the clock back. If you could go back and give yourselves advice, what would you say? I think that, you know, I, I, I hear Ado Harpenter and I've taken a similar tone to younger players at the club to you know to continue their study i know when i was younger i i did a little bit of study out of school and then i just kind of thought oh, i'll be playing football for another 10 years i'll be right you know and then you start getting to 26 and, and 28 respectively and yeah and then you're like oh geez i wish I, I wish i'd knocked off a diploma or a degree or two when i was younger and got myself a bit set up and a few things behind me while i was younger when i did have the free time you know it's easier said than done but that was a bit of advice in terms of in terms of that aspect to, to players, I would I'll definitely um, pass it on. And I think we are at the moment trying to trying to make sure we've, with obviously the networking event we've just ran and, um, you know, just in day-to-day life as well. And Adrian? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously I'd echo Lee's words in the off-field stuff. You know, but if it was me going back to the start of my career, it would probably be to believe in, in myself and what I'm doing um, a lot more and, and, and the other thing would be to enjoy the good times um, because over a career there's a hell of a lot of ups and downs and, and you know, winning trophies is, is probably the best best moments of your life and, um, you know, really enjoying those and, you know, really realising how hard you have to work to earn it, um, you know, because when you're retired, no matter how much money you've got or, or what you've done, I think the, the times where you lift trophies are the, the times you remember and, um you know, that's at the end of the day. That's why we all play the game. The last uh, twelve months, from my observation uh, of you guys, um, I have to say, have been incredibly impressed with uh, the way that you have acquitted yourselves on and off the field. And you know, in terms of the off the field um, experience in particular, you know, uh, Adrian, you had a, a baby, uh, little Zara, and uh, Lee got married. Um, you know, you, you've had injuries. You've had a coach that uh, was was uh, recruited by the Australian team, uh, and, and was substituted mid-season. You had uh, Asian Cup re- uh, responsibilities and opportunities, uh, all the while tracking through the A League itself. Um, I mean, my observation of, uh, of professional sports has always been, where possible, if you can try to minimise the background noise it's really useful but you guys had so many things happening uh, and did such a great job how did you do that how did you keep focused i don't know i think it's just um it's just something that's that's expected of us and something that's uh um expected of yourself you know when there's um you know there's always a lot going on and did it seem like a heightened year of uh, interruption or is it a that's the wrong term in the first place not really i might might look back in five years time and, and go geez that that year was that year was a bit busy or or whatever but um you know the time was going through that was just it was just that's how it was i know um probably at the moment ado's ado's doing a another degree as well so he's he's a bit busy and you know, we've been doing some coaching badges as well. So, you know, you do feel like you're busy. You know, there's a saying that, you know, always give the uh, the busiest person the job. Um, and I know that, you know, looking at the types of things that you have both, uh, that I've just seen you do, and you know, you're saying it's not unusual, um, they're the types of hallmarks that I looked for as a CEO in, in the staff that I employed, for sure. Uh, ability to, to handle change to adapt to change to uh, to deal with uncertainty and um, 
and out of left field type of, uh, of situations. Look, guys, we've really run out of time. Thank you so much. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add uh, from your experience, uh, you know, getting the chance to listen to George, Craig, Ian and Paul? Oh, we'd, we'd probably just like to, to thank you, Stuart, for, for your guidance through the whole thing. And, um, you know, I think the, the event reflected, you know, both both our work but also, you know, your enormous amount of work and, and guidance you put into the event. Um, you know, the players got a hell of a lot out of it. I know a lot of the sponsors got a hell of a lot out of it. Uh, and now hopefully a few listeners get a lot out of it. It's, um, you know, it's been a fantastic exercise for us and, and it's something that we hope we can continue to build over the years and um, we're both passionate about helping our teammates and in particularly helping professional sportsmen and hopefully we can continue on this journey. Great emceeing too, Stu. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Uh, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to have uh, shared the last 12 months on your journey and uh, certainly you know, a large part of why I do this in the first place and why this podcast even exists is to reach out and help people uh, through this and through the various programs we run. So uh, it's a pleasure. Um, make a point for all the rest of you at home of visiting careersunplugged.com. Check out this episode Post a comment uh, if there's anything you'd like me to pass through to Adrian or Lee. Any questions? Make a point of uh, of interacting and letting us, letting us know what they are, and get access to all the resources that are designed specifically to help you make it big in your life, career, or business. This has been Careers Unplugged with Stu Hayes. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.